everyone. I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Craig Paquette. Craig is a former professional Major League Baseball player who was drafted in the eighth round by the Oakland Athletics, Oakland A's, in the 1989 draft. Craig then played from 1989 to 2003 for five teams, the A's, the Kansas City Royals, the New York Mets, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Detroit Tigers. Following his time playing professional baseball, Craig ventured out into the world of small business entrepreneurship, and now he is currently an orthopedic sales rep. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here with us today. So let's start off today's conversation talking about how did you get into baseball? So I was one of those fortunate ones. I had an older brother and sister and a dad who loved sports, and he's the reason behind it all. He's the one that coached us in all sports. So I, I grew up playing baseball, soccer, and basketball. And he coached us in all three sports. And, and being fortunate, when I say I was fortunate, was for the fact that my brother was three years older. And I think that really helped in my advancement and my uh, getting better in sports was because I was always playing with kids three years older. So I was pretty fortunate in that aspect. And it really pushed me to a higher level every time I was out there. And so you played multiple sports. What really excited you the most about the game baseball? Just all the different aspects. I mean, you, you look at all the sports out there, and, and I always say it's the hardest sport because there's so many different things that you have to do. I mean, running, throwing, fielding, you, you name it, you, there's something you have to do. And if you're not good at one thing, you could be great at four other things. So there's, there's so many things that go into baseball that the, the average person doesn't know. I mean, it can be as much as learning how to steal signs, learning how to get signs, bunting, steam. I mean, you know, it, the list goes on and on about what you could be good at. And, and I think that was the most important thing or for me that, that I love is I tried to be good at everything there was to be good at in baseball. And now you played third baseman. So tell us uh, so a lot of the, the listeners that some follow sports, some don't really know sports, and some may not be intimately familiar with what it's like playing the position of third baseman. What is it like playing third base and what skills do you feel were really necessary for you to be elite at that position? So thir third base is, is called the hot corner. I mean, you, you get a lot of action, but most of the action is a step and a dive, or you're usually getting the balls hit hardest at you because when, when guys turn on baseballs, when they seem to hit them the hardest, and it's all reaction. And, and you also have to have a strong arm because it's a long throw across the first base, and then you have to have an accurate arm. So the, the thing I loved it most was you're always in the game. You're, you're really – there's a lot of times where you're really close to the hitter, and it's basically – I mean, it's, it's reaction. I mean, there's a good chance you could hit a bullet hit at you. It takes a bad hop and you get hit in the nose, which happened to me in junior college. Took a ground ball off my top of my nose and broke my nose. So it, it's an exciting position. It's one that it's, it's a reaction position, but you're in the game the whole time you play it. And you played junior college baseball at Golden West. I actually used to live very close to Golden West. I lived in Costa Mesa. I went to school in Long nice. Beach. And uh, so tell us, what was it like playing uh, junior college baseball? Was there anything that you learned from playing college baseball that really helped you to uh, position yourself to be successful going into the major leagues? 
Yeah, well, so I was, I wouldn't say I was a late bloomer, but it seemed like each year I got better. And I think in high school, I, I went to a small high school and it's kind of crazy that it's, it's not that way nowadays. There's so many scouts out there and there's so many different, different leagues that kids play in, but I played at a small high school and the only reason, and I still to this day tell the story, the only reason why I got drafted is our school played Esperanza High School every year in a doubleheader. And the year before they had won the, the national champions, the, the top ranked uh, high school baseball team. And they had the returning was a shortstop, Tom Reddington, who was the national player of the year as his junior. So every scout for every team was watching this kid play shortstop. And we played them in a doubleheader. And luckily for me, I had two great games. I hit a home run in both games. Uh, and after the game, I had 10 to 15 scouts come up and ask me my information. It seemed like from that minute on, I got better and I grew. But at that time, uh, all the most colleges had given away their scholarships. So my my only option was to play junior college. And at that time, I, I went to the closest junior college. They invited me over, went to practice one day, said, come on over and come to come to see that these kids could play. I mean, it wasn't in my eyes back then, junior colleges in California were pretty close to being as good as the Division One schools. And we competed with them. I know we played a few of them in the, in the wintertime. And it, when it comes to preparing, I think junior college is a great step for kids nowadays. Great. And uh, so let's talk about you being drafted into the major league. So what was what was that like being drafted for you? Oh, exciting. You know, I, out of, I guess so I first got drafted my senior year out of high school and had no idea. You know, it was one of those days where they back in the day when they had 50 some rounds and I got selected in the 36th round by the Minnesota Twins. The most exciting part was when the scout comes to your house and, and offers you a contract. And at that point, I was 18 years old, had never really been out of the state. We didn't travel a lot as a family. We usually drove somewhere. So I'd never been on a plane. So at that point, I wasn't ready. So I obviously I turned it down, went back into the draft. And then after my sophomore year at Golden West, I got drafted again by the A's. And at this point, for, with, with two years of playing against college players, lifting some weights, gaining some muscle. I realized I was ready and we discussed it and scout comes to your house, negotiate a contract. Basically I negotiated myself as my parents sat there and just watched and listened. And you talk about exciting and, and life-changing, like from that day on, you know, I think I jumped on a plane two days later and flew to Medford, Oregon. So super exciting, but just really, really, when you look back at it, just crazy times. And was there anyone that took you under their wing or kind of helped show you the ropes and navigate uh, this new space for you? No, it's, it's, it's really weird. So when you get drafted in baseball, usually you go to rookie ball and rookie, rookie teams have these, these houses and parents and families that bring in players because they're straight from college or high school. I was a really shy kid growing up shy. And I still am to this day, pretty shy guy, but it, it, it's pretty crazy when you think you go to, you play in high school, you, you play with, you know, a couple people you knew in junior college and you go on a team and the, most of the people live around you. And then you fly and you get on a small little plane to Medford, Oregon. Get off the plane. They ask you if you want to live with a, a family. Most people said yes. I said yes. I end up with another player living in the basement of one of these families. But I'm, I met 25 people from all over the country and pretty much all over the world. I think we had six or seven kids from Dominican, a couple from Puerto Rico. So you're meeting all these kids and it's I mean, you, you talk about an experience I, it, for, for a quiet, shy guy, too. It was crazy in a way, but it was really, really cool getting to, getting to meet all these guys from all over the place. 
Sure. And that's the one thing about sport or that's a thing I really like about sports is you have people coming together from all kinds of different ethnic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, and it's all about bringing the people together for a common goal, right? Which is to, to win baseball games in this case. So uh, you and I were talking before about you know, the average length of a major league baseball player's career. I've talked before on the show that uh, the average length of the NFL players career used to be 3.2 years. Now it's under two years and MLB is a little bit longer than that, um, you know, three, five years. Uh, you played in the league quite a bit longer than that. And what things did you put into practice to ensure that you, your, your longevity as a professional baseball player? Well, it's something that I do to this day. I mean, I, I made sure I stayed in shape. I made sure that when I stepped on the field or, or got back from into spring training, I was ready to go. I mean, there's a there's a lot of guys that, that take things for granted and, and show up out of shape. And, and if you're not a superstar, a pretty good chance you're not going to make the team and you might be done. I'm glad you brought that up because it's about the, you know, always being ready, being prepared, <clears throat> training. When I've had a number of NFL players on the show, they talk about they treat it as a job, right? So you're always Correct, showing yeah. up ready to perform at that job, which is just, it just happens to be to play, you know, professional sports. Yes. So share with us, what was your most memorable game and what team was it with? Oh, such good memories. So I, obviously my first at bat in the big leagues was a big moment. I, I got a, I faced Ben McDonald, big six eight right hander from LSU, and he was on the Orioles at the time. And I think it was a one zero pitch fastball, base hit up the middle. So I mean, super exciting time. But I think the most exciting at bat. So I played for. I got to the big leagues in nineteen ninety three. In ninety ninety nine, I got traded to the Cardinals. Which talk about a life changing atmosphere and experience. Playing in St. Louis is by far the best experience I ever had. But this game was in. In 2000, it's our last game of the season. We're fighting for the the number two seed in the National League. San Francisco had already won the, the first seed. So we're the two. It's us or Atlanta that is the two seed. And at the time, Atlanta's playing Colorado at home. If, if, if Atlanta wins, they're in the number two seed. If we win, we become the two seed if they lose. So we win, they lose. We're the two seed. Anyways, it's the bottom of the eighth inning at our place, top of the ninth inning at their place. Colorado ends up scoring six runs. Our fans are going crazy. So now we just have to win the game. Place is sold out. I'm walking to the plate at the time that our fans are going crazy because Colorado just took a big lead in the ninth inning. The first pitch I see, I hit a three-run home run to right field. And it's the most emotion I've ever showed running around the bases. Standing ovation, curtain call, the whole nine yards. And it was the last game of the season. And it was, I'll never forget it. So when you're in a game like that and you've got the other team that uh, that's ahead and there's obviously some pressure on there, right, to, to make a big play in the in the ninth inning, how do you stay mentally focused and, quote unquote, in the zone to really be able to perform at your best when it matters most? That's the hardest thing. I mean, it, you see all these shows about all these great athletes and it's all about comfort and relaxing and just doing what you know how to do. You know, I'm watching this Michael Jordan show right now and it's just he was the best that he was because he knew he could do it and he had confidence and he was relaxed and he was, he just took it to that level. So everybody's talent wise is different, but when it comes to being able to be a clutch player or you're put in a certain situation, it's all about just being able to relax and be able to do what you, you naturally know how to do to get to the bottom of that question that there are so many players, there are so many guys that are in AAA that are absolute studs, but when they get that chance, they get that opportunity 
they don't handle the pressure. They, they, they don't know how to relax and, and calm themselves down and just do what they do because they're so hyped up and, and so that they feel like they have to, they have to do it rather than just letting it happen. Sure. And yeah, I had Lee Steinberg on the show a while back. Lee is Patrick Mahomes agent. And I asked him, you know, what makes Patrick so great? And he talked about Patrick's ability to adopt a quiet mind and to really just be relaxed in that moment and lead the team, you know, and get them to do what they need to do to perform. So I'm glad that you, you shared that. So let me ask you, what about, so we talked about your most memorable game. How about what was the game that you learned the most from? In baseball, there's so many games. I mean, there's so many situations. Uh, in 1990, 1994, Tony La Russa called me in his office and said, hey, the job is yours. You got third base. Because it was at that time, it was Scott Brocious and myself were kind of battling for the spot. He calls me in his office and says, hey, the job is yours. Take it by the, you know what, and, and go. And at this point, I was 24, 25 years old, super excited, really aggressive, I took it as, man, I'm going to get up there and swing at every pitch. I'm going to hit everything 300, 500 feet. And instead of taking it as play your game, relax, do what you know how to do, I took it the complete opposite. And sure enough, two weeks later, they sent me back to AAA. I mean, I can't remember a game because, you know, like in baseball, we play 100 and with spring training, we're playing almost 200 games a year. But I think that was the one moment where I learned so much just realizing that no, that's not my game. You know, I, I tried to impress him. I was trying to hit the ball 500 feet. I was trying to be the guy, which, you know, it, when you have nine guys on your team and you're not Mark McGuire or Jose Canseco, you don't need to be that guy. Sure. And you mentioned that baseball, there's a lot of games in baseball during the regular season as well as spring training. And how do you bounce back from a huge loss? Because sometimes you you only have a couple days or even a day before you have to reset and get back into it and and be out there again. So if you've played a game and it was a tough loss, how do you bounce back? You know, that is the one best thing about baseball and playing so many games. You know, there's so many games to be played. And, and I think the ones with, you know, obviously in the playoffs, those are harder to come back from. But, you know, every day there's a different pitcher. Every day there's going to be a different situation. It's, it's why baseball to me is the is the best game in the world, because there's so many different obstacles and things that happen during one game that's not going to happen the next game compared to, to basketball. Basketball, pretty much every game, you're going to have the five same starters. You're going to have the same, you know, you have the same plays. You have the same game plan to go and attack that, that team. I mean, in baseball, there are so many different scenarios that can come up in a, during a game that's not going to happen the next day, 100%. Now, when you look at some of the truly great baseball players that we've had throughout Major League Baseball history, uh, uh, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot and ask you, who would you name as ones that you really think of as world-class, first of all? And then second, what is it about them, aside from just their talent, that makes them great to you? Well, number, number one, I always mention this guy. I got to play with him. His rookie year was my last year in St. Louis. And Albert Pujols, to me, when he stepped on the field, he was the man, you know, that he he could hit, he could field, he had a good arm. Obviously, he's he's six three, and he, he's had some issues. And after a couple of years, they moved him to first base. But as far as on the field, approach, attitude, uh, confidence, he was number one by far. And that's this. And I played with him when he was twenty one years old. So he was that confident when he was twenty one, and that positive. And I mean, he had it all at twenty one years old. And and to make matters even better for the people that don't know Albert or understand him. His wife had a previous daughter that had Down syndrome. He took that on, adopted the baby, and then became that as his foundation. And is talk about a phenomenal human being and what he's done. 
Sure. Amazing story. And I'm glad that you mentioned him because it is truly great. People are great people, not just, you know, on the field, but off the field as well. And so I appreciate that story. So let's talk about your transition beyond the game. The time has come. You're hanging up your cleats. Talk to us about what was that transition like for you, as well as what were some lessons that you took away from the game that you were able to apply to be successful beyond the uniform, so to speak? What happened to me after playing happens to a lot of players. I, I, I was in a position where I made a little bit of money, you know, by by no means was it a ton of money considering what profession, professional athletes make these days. But what I did is, is I thought, you know, the right thing was to do was to invest it in real estate. I bought into some restaurants, wanted to put my money in three, four different things. I, I bought a clothing store for my ex-wife that she was running. And sure enough, 2000, 2008, 2009 hit and everything I had went to zero. When you're thinking you've got everything going great for you, all of a sudden, you know, the economy crashes, real estate hits the tank. So everything I had was gone. So basically we moved out to Arizona, my life changed, went through a divorce. And I think that is when I can really say that uh, the the athlete, the competitor to me came out because I, I pretty much started from scratch. Fortunately for me, met my new wife, best thing that ever happened to me. With all of this, you know, it, it's about meeting people, being open, was fortunate to find the job I did. But through being a competitor, you know, I, I went through three or four different jobs to, to get where I'm at now. At 51 years old, couldn't ask for anything else right now financially, couldn't ask for anything else individually. You know, I, I, I do everything I've done. Back in the day, I stayed in shape. I'm six, six feet tall, 210 pounds right now, feel great. So as far as where I'm at right now, from where I was in, in 2008, 2009, is, has a ton to do with being a competitive athlete, I would say, and getting me to, to being back to where I, I mean, I, I consider myself being back in the big leagues right now. And 2008, uh, 2009, time of uncertainty, right, from real estate downturn. Right now, we're going through this coronavirus pandemic, a lot of uncertainty. People are fearful, they're scared, they're unsure of what the future holds for them. What advice, you know, using that competitive athlete mentality, what advice or guidance would you give to people that may be going through a similar situation starting from from zero or at a place where you know they didn't think they were going to be three months ago what advice can you give them to kind of help them keep going and stay motivated and keep their head up well it's all it's all about you know the the individual person i was always a glass half full kind of guy so i always looked at the positives i mean i I played baseball my career average was 239 so i failed 76 percent of the time I take that with me and know that, you know, I was, I want to look at the positive. I, you know, I hit 240. You know, a lot of people say, well, geez, you only hit 240. I'm like, no, I hit 240. I go, there's a lot of people that can't hit a hundred, you know? So if you're, if you take the positives out of everything, you're, you're going to make it. If you, if you look at the negatives and you get down on yourself or whatever it may be, if you always take the positives, you're always going to have a chance. And there's no question. There's so many people right now that are struggling that lost their job that aren't going to find, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have to battle. I mean, I, I, I was there. I mean, I was driving, played for 11 years in the big leagues and I was driving around a beat up minivan at one point. So you got to find the positives and everything and, and go for it. I like that. I think when we adopt our mindset into a glass half full mentality, it really changes your perspectives and these things, these darker times, so to speak, that you go through, it's not as bad as other people who, who do not have that glass half full 
perspective. And so, I mean, I, I truly believe that while this is uh, not a fun time for many, I mean, obviously there's a lot of lives lost, uh, businesses are are shut down, but I, I do think that when this is all said and done, like we will be stronger on the other side of it. And so it's really just having that faith and, and staying, uh, staying uh, true to what it is that you believe in and weathering the storm, so to speak. And I think it helps when you have that positive mentality. I agree. Yeah. And so now what I want to do is I want to transition to my two minute drill, seven quick questions, just fun questions to get, you know, to know you a little bit better on the, the fun side, the personal side. Perfect. Yep. All right. Here we go. What is your favorite food? Pizza. Any specific kind of pizza? No, each, every, every time's different. It's sometimes I go with the mushroom. Sometimes we do sausage and sometimes pepperoni. We kind of rotate it. Okay, now I got to ask because your wife, Jen, who's amazing, shout out to Jen, uh, she's <laughs> from Chicago and Chicago is known for their pizza, right? Deep dish and thin crust. Correct. What Do you like deep dish or do you like thin crust better? I, I think I like thin crust better, but when you go there, you have to, you know, we always, we always do the deep dish. So that's, that's really the only time I get the deep dish is when we're, we're in Chicago with her. Okay. Any particular brand of deep dish? No, it's God. I think Giordano's is where we go. Okay. She, she used to work there and it's, there's one by her brother's house. So we, that's where we hit up all the time when we go. Gotcha. I'm a thin crust pizza person, but my mom loves deep dish and she actually likes Gino's East. So uh, to those listening, if you're ever in Chicago, check out Gino's or Giordano's. Can't go wrong with either <laughs> one. Uh, all right. So next question. What is your favorite movie? Gladiator. Hands down. That's a good one from the past. Awesome. Um, how about what is your favorite professional sports team? Got to go with St. Louis Cardinals. I would love there, loved it. Best, best fans in the world. No chance for the Cubs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how about what is the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? I don't remember who said it, but I, I think it was back when I was in high school because when we played high school back in the day, there was, a, there was only one or two. There we, had, we had a head coach and we had an assistant coach. Now I know these high schools have four or five, six coaches, but I remember somebody saying that the best athletes are the ones that do the most when nobody's watching. And from that day on, I would be that kid that would go to the, go to the school across the street and work on throwing balls against the wall, work on my backhand, work on my forehand, work on different plays when no one was watching. And, that, and what, what that meant was when the coach, because the coach didn't have 10 eyes, and he's got one group over here doing something, two groups over here doing something else. He couldn't watch everybody. And the whole key was who's screwing around and who's not. Well, the kids that weren't screwing around are obviously the ones that are going to go further. Sure. And now I'm going to flip it and ask you, what's the best piece of advice that you would give somebody? I mean, honestly, it's, it's that right there. That's what I, would t I told my kids all the time. Because mm -hmm. that when, once I heard that, it really stuck. But it's so hard nowadays with all these kids staying inside and playing on their games and machines that I don't see the kids going outside and, and doing the little things that can make them a totally different player. Sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's different now than it was a decade ago, two, three decades ago. All right. So how about this one? What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Oh, I really don't want to say this on the air, but it's uh, that I'm a, I'm an emotional guy. I tend to cry in movies when I, either a sad or a happy moment there's it's a pretty good chance that i'm probably going to be teary-eyed at the end of the day 
Gotcha. Okay. Now, how about when the Cubs, I know you're not a Cubs fan, but Jen is, uh, when the Cubs won the World Series, I did cry when the Cubs won as a Cubs fan. Did you <laughs> cry? You did. <laughs> no. You know what? That's the funny thing is, uh, of all things, I mean, you know, she cried, her brother cried, pretty much everybody she knew in Chicago that loved the Cubs, they all cried. Come on, that's the first time they've ever won in a hundred some years. So, But I can't cry for a team that I, I root for them when the Cardinals aren't on there, but... Unfortunately for you, I did not cry. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I'd ask. (laughs) Uh, All right. And so uh, my last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? So I'm not a big superhero fan, but uh, obviously I think the number one guy would be Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. I kind of got to go with that. There you go. All right. Awesome. Now, as we wrap up today's show, tell our listeners, is there a good way to follow you on social media or do you have any last thoughts for our listeners? No, I'm not a big, I mean, I go on Facebook every now and then. Uh, Not a big social media guy. I just go on there to to keep up with friends and family from the back in the days. But I mean, as as far as just what what I want to get out to everybody is just be positive. I mean, in the most negative situation, find something positive about it and go with it. I like that. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Craig. I really appreciate you being on the show today. No problem. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast so that you're always in the know, never miss an episode, and be sure to leave us a review. Until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.